Hello and welcome to the Vagabond Way podcast. The journey goes ever on with The Long Road. This episode, Six String Addiction. The first step on the road to recovery is to admit you've got a problem. Join Steve as we hear about his ongoing addiction to six-string beasts quietly filling up his sitting room, guitars. Kev takes us to the next destination on his travels, Morocco. And the Bishop, that's me, I take you through the components for one of the Long Road Spotify hits wrapped up in you. The Vagabond Way podcast featuring The Long Road is exploring the world of the troubadour, the adventurer, the vagabond. The world isn't beige, it isn't processed, it's rich, authentic, and it's real. If those are the sorts of sentiments that make your brain light up, then hop on board. We are embracing all of those things, celebrating all of that, and we'd love it if you joined us on the journey. Greetings, I am Chris the Bish Leiden, thanks for joining us again. Time's rather got away from me this week, so it's just a short intro from me today. Um, Steve Bonham, the Vagabond philosopher, and Kev, the big man Moore, they've got their curated playlists up on Spotify now. Um, We'll update them every so often, so check them out, hear some of the music that inspires The Long Road, some of the stuff we like, some of the artists out there who might be in the same sort of, you know, world that we are that you might enjoy as well. Um, So just search for Anglo-Americana for Steve's, uh, and Kev's is called Anglo-Americana Moonshine Madness. So go on Spotify, search them out, um, and have a listen. Uh, Don't forget to follow The Long Road on Spotify as well, because that helps Spotify algorithms kick in that people are interested in what we're doing. Don't forget, too, that you can help directly shape our journey on The Vagabond Way by supporting us on Patreon. If you like what we do, the stuff we make, head over to patreon.com slash thevagabondway to find out how you can help us. There's a special offer on right now if you support for £3 a month or, or more, so do go and check it out. This week, I take a look at the components that make up one of uh, one of our hits on Spotify, Wrapped Up In You. Um, this song is from our EP from the end of last year called American Wilderness, and it's racked up over 30,000 plays on Spotify so far. Um, only beaten right now by the uh, the ballad of Dwayne and Billy Marie from our most recent Moonshine Elegy EP. Uh, so, Wrapped Up In You, it's one of those sort of quiet little numbers that sort of came out of nowhere. Um, a t- terribly simple song, really, probably four chords in total. But it just sort of popped up uh, and, and went crazy on Spotify. Compared to some of the other sort of sound worlds that we're exploring in Moonshine Elegy, um, or some of the tracks that are coming up later up this year, in fact, even more so, Wrapped Up In You feels quite pared down, really. Um, there's still a, there's still quite a bunch of little colours going on in there, though. It's almost a sort of sort of skiffle feel to it, uh, sort of a, a, a modest skiffle, if that's a thing. Um, you know, gently twanging guitar, the sort of bass, tumbling along but no heroics required um the drums pared down just to give that sort of forward momentum required um and, and to be honest, that's the nuts and bolts of the of most of the song you'll hear these great little bluesy guitar licks from kev uh, and the the solo halfway through um some twinkling piano bits and guitar harmonics to give some shimmer uh, and some clarity at various moments um and the eagle-eared of you will have spotted the rather rich baritone of my tuba playing popping up in the in the choruses almost like another voice really sort of suits that i don't know upmarket skiffle nature um the right sort of instruments for that sort of genre of music perhaps but approached in a different way slightly more refined slightly more thoughtful perhaps we are british after all and we think actually this one's got quite a catchy chorus maybe that's what's hooked people on it the sort of thing you find yourself humming uh, afterwards without really spotting it 
So, uh, Wrapped Up In You is up for a UK Country Music Award 2020, presented by UKCountryRadio.com, uh, and we need you to vote for it, so please go to UKCountryMusicAwards.com slash song to vote for Wrapped Up In You. Um, it's in the list under Steve Bonham. The voting ends in a couple of weeks at the end of June, so please go ahead and vote. Um, so I'm going to play it for you now. Here we go. Wrapped Up In You by Steve Bonham and The Long Road. Lay down my gun, the long day was done, I was looking to lighten the load Stop rolling dice, I've learned to think twice, I said goodbye to the road Wrapped up in you, wrapped up in you Wrapped up in you, wrapped up in you When you came into view, it was all I could do to stand up and open the gate Something I would find would do things to my mind Gave up all resistance to my fate Wrapped up in you Wrapped up in you Wrapped up in you methadone or 
or acid or even a little indulgent wacky wacky it's guitars I'm beginning to think that guitars and owning guitars give you the same sort of dopamine rush as experienced by those who spend their days in darkness playing on social media it hasn't always been like this I've been playing a guitar for since I was 16. And for many years, I think I was a rather lightweight, recreational user. I had two guitars, an acoustic one and an electric one. I used to tease my friend Tim, whose attic is full of old guitars. I mocked his inability to sell any of them. They're just tools, mate, I said, like spanners or, or wrenches. Didn't all those rock heroes, supernaturally thin and with cucumbers stuffed down their trousers, they used to call them axes and hammers and other utility objects. I had a red Fender Stratocaster with a wiggly arm like Hank Marvin out of the shadows used. Played beautifully, did its job, lovely guitar. And my acoustic guitar was a Yamaha. A good one with with a spruce top, a beautiful working instrument. Played it on albums and gigs and wherever. Use it for writing. Fantastic. In terms of my 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 uh, role as a guitar player, I was a very light addict. I had a careful, studied ignorance of guitars. I couldn't name the model or the strings or the trusses or the buses on any of my instruments. But then I did fall. It was quite innocent at first. One day I unexpectedly found myself a little wealthier with some money in my pocket, walking past my favourite guitar shop. Winking in the window was the most beautiful, curvy, semi-acoustic Tanglewood guitar of the most perfect blue. I fell immediately. I walked in the shop and five minutes later came out with it. The descent after that was swift. I decided... And this is the secrets of an obsession. You get very creative on reasons, but I decided I needed a smaller guitar as I had a, a bad shoulder, which, which, which was true. So I had a local guitar maker make me the most beautiful guitar. It took me two years and it is lovely. But then I started to play a lot and decided that I needed a second guitar so I wouldn't have to retune them between different numbers. So I was over in Dublin and walked out with an Australian Maton guitar. But my biggest day of shame was probably in Nashville a year or two later, when emerging out of the Appalachian Mountains, I found myself at the doors of the Carter's Vintage Guitar Store. I asked my companion, like Ulysses, tie me to the mast. I, I must not leave this shop with a guitar. 
But of course I did. A National Steel Resonator guitar. It's a mighty beast. It weighs the same as the double B-fat bass I, I used to play in the school band. An odd instrument. It, it's covered in drawings of etchings of pineapples and palm trees on the back from its origins as an instrument designed for playing along to Hawaiian music. These days, it's most easily associated as the voice of the dispossessed of the South, the instrument of choice of the bluesman. It sounds like a howling gospel choir. It's an intimidating instrument. Playing it's a bit like playing a tractor. It makes unexpected clanking and groaning noises at any one time. And it's entirely wonderful. But this addict's inventiveness continued. And at last November, I, I travelled to the States to um, stay a while with my friend Rob McHale and playing with him in some coffee bars and joints in North, North Carolina. And he, he has some wonderful guitars and, you know, the easygoing deal was I would borrow one of them. But as I landed in Atlanta, I got a call from Chantal Ogden, wondering whether I might join a showcase session in Nashville the following night. It being impossible to go both to North Carolina and Tennessee at the same time, of course I had to buy a guitar, which is a Martin Street something or other. It is an absolutely beautiful instrument. These days, it's my favourite guitar. Although, slightly worryingly, I've noticed that my guitars, which did start off in the lounge downstairs at the beginning of this lockdown, now seem to have made their way up to my bedroom. There could be an Alfred Hitchcock plot in this. To the question, why, just reasonably enough, I've got to suggest that the thing about guitars is every one of them is unique. And the uniqueness is, is in the sound. There's the great honking anguish of the national steel and there's the self-confident jive of the Avenue 5 and the mellow wistfulness of the Northworthy. And everyone looks different, feels different, plays different. Yeah, it's a fairly promiscuous set of relationships. But the magic is in the differences. Every one of those will play the same song or the same tune in a different way. There's no hope for me. And now Rob Hodgson up in IJJ sending me pictures of a wonderful 12-string guitar. Financially disastrous, enticingly appealing. My old Martin gave me this tune the other day. That's, that's the drug, that's the high, that's the Nirvana. I'll play it for you. I never usually play songs this early in their construction, but I hope you see what I mean. Mm -hmm. 
Well, there we are. The first step on the road to recovery is acknowledging you've got a problem. Bravo, Steve. Um, I fear Steve isn't the only person out there to live with a, a certain uh, six-string addiction. Indeed, even within the long road, I fear Kev may fall susceptible to a four-string addiction, perhaps even some five- or six-string addictions as well. Um, some of us, moi, perhaps a 230-string addiction rears its ugly head. Although saying that, I don't even own one real piano yet, let alone multiple. Uh, I fear I may also be an enabler, though, to Steve's problem. Years ago, when we were on the road to somewhere up north for a gig, um, we had to stop off in Leeds on the way to buy s- something vital. I can't quite remember what. Uh, I-, I feel like it, it might have been a pedal for my cajon. Back in the early days of having this cajon and playing with the pedal, um, I had a string of substandard um, cajon pedals. They just kept on breaking or snapping or just not working properly after... Not exactly loads of use, you know, they were being regularly gigged with, but it wasn't outrageous at all. Anyway, um, so we might have stopped off in Leeds to to buy a new Khan pedal. Um, and it, it was definitely the um, Hobgoblin store in Leeds, and Hobgoblin is a chain of traditional or folk music stores here in the UK. Um, and Steve announced to me before we entered, Now, Bish, don't let me leave here having bought a single thing. I just don't need any more guitars. All right, no problem, I said. Um, we entered, and I went to search around for the you know, the percussion section of the store. Um, I found the, the replacement pedal and um, took it up to the till. You know, me and Steve were separated for perhaps, I don't know, two minutes, maybe three minutes at max. Um, got to the till, find that Steve was putting away his wallet, having made his impulse purchase. Uh, you know, just the small matter of a rather beautiful mandolin. Um, okay, wasn't a guitar, but still in that world, Steve, still in that world. Um, if you care to ask Steve about it, he he places the blame squarely on my shoulders, I know it. Um, I do suspect, though, whatever was going to happen that day, he was going to end up buying that mandolin, whether I was there or not. Anyway, what's done is done in that regard. Um, now, for those of you who are interested, um, between Steve recording the, uh, the wordless song earlier on and me putting this podcast together this week, um, the song has started to take form um, for Steve, and it's got a title now, Blues on a Summer Day. Um, perhaps by tomorrow morning the song will have been finished and we'll have the recording done by Monday. Stranger things have happened. Hello listeners and welcome again to Kev's Cafe Corner. And today we're heading down to Morocco where I spent time in the fantastic coastal town of Essaouira which in itself is an amazing place. The ancient walls still standing tall, protecting an inviting and bustling Medina that captivates you. I walked its narrow streets and alleyways, my body unconsciously moving to the hypnotic beat of the Mali musicians' Tinariwan, their songs taking to the air from pirate tape stalls, mixing with the heady aroma of spices from the markets. But despite its delights, Essaouira is not our final destination today. That honour belongs to a small, colourful café by the sea in a little village called Diabat, about five kilometres south of Essaouira. It was worth the trip just to marvel at the dozens of goats standing in the branches of the argan trees that lined the dusty highway, nonchalantly munching on the leaves, seemingly oblivious to the precarious nature of their mission. So, my patient listeners, to the café. It started out as a plain white building with a castellated roof, but since its famous visitor, it's now festooned in aquamarine blue, bright red tarpaulin, and in amongst the chaotic terrace that fronts it, psychedelia abounds. 
For this is the cafe restaurant Jimmy, so named after the visit of Jimi Hendrix back in 1968. Fans of his material have long hoped that Castles Made of Sand was about his trip to Morocco, but he'd already recorded that the previous year. Nevertheless, don't let me stand in the way of a good myth. The coffee served was all boiled milk with a spoon of regular Nescafe, a welcome change for me from the motor oil that passed for coffee in some Moroccan establishments. Though I must make a special mention of the hotel breakfast in Essaouira, served on a sunny terrace overlooking the city. Sublime. Before I go, I'd like to share with you my own Hendrix tale. Yes, I have one. Back in the late 80s, my good friend Graham Oliver, the guitarist from Saxon and a huge Hendrix collector and aficionado, visited Hendrix's father while he was on tour in the US. His dad gave him some scribbled notes of an unfinished Hendrix song, chords, a few lines of lyrics, and uttered the immortal words, maybe you can do something with this. Sometime later, and I'm working on Graham's solo album, End of an Era, and we put some meat onto the bones of this idea, and I found myself in the frankly incredible position of co-writing a song with Graham and Jimi Hendrix. It's a huge rarity now, as the all-powerful Hendrix estate demanded it be pulled from later copies of the album, so it's only on the first thousand or so, I think. But what better time to give it a listen? I share lead vocals with Phil Hendrix, no relation, and play bass and sing backing vocals while Graham beautifully channels Jimmy. Sit back and imagine Jimmy heading down that dusty road to Diabat 52 years ago and enjoy sipping wine.
Jimmy, why did you leave us? In truth, the cafe itself was unremarkable. But, as in life, it's more about the journey than the destination, don't you think? See you next week. Bishop's Daily Bread this week sees me actually making some bread. Uh, nothing exciting, though, I'm afraid. Just a, a simple white loaf. Um, but I wanted to try to make a, a nice chunky loaf, you know, tall and big. Um, so I thought I'd use my the, the, the large loaf tin I bought a few weeks into lockdown. Um, although most of the recipes I've tried in it previously have been, they've been too small. Um, you know, perfectly fine loaves, but shallow and, and wide, um, rather than, you know, wide and tall, big, chunky. Um so I just used the normal recipe and, and I thought, well, I'll just try upping the quantities and, and see how it goes. It worked pretty well. Um, although I fear I was too eager to get the um, get the, the bread out of the oven, though. And it had already been cooling for a few minutes when my panic set in and I, was, I thought it was underdone. Uh, so I put it back in the oven for another 10 minutes. It turned out fine. So perhaps, perhaps the panic was right or perhaps it would have been fine, whatever. Hard to tell, really. Um, it got me wondering, though, how, how do supermarkets get those, you know, the, the square loaves that we're all used to, you know, full-on cuboids? Um, perhaps they've got lids that go over the tins when they're baking? And they've they've calculated precisely how much dough is needed to, to fill it to get to that shape? I don't know. I'm sure if I cared to Google for ten seconds, I could find hours of footage from inside a bread factory explaining precisely and in gross detail how they do it. Maybe I should do that. I think, yeah, I think there is a part of me that would actually really quite like to find that out. One final bready thought from me this week. Um, my nephew will be with me on this one. How do they get that texture into cheap white bread? Or, you know, bread rolls. My nephew has a, a penchant for the Sainsbury's, and only Sainsbury's, soft white rolls. You know, the sort that come in packs of six. And, they're you know, they're useless. They're stale within a day or two. But they're perfect for a summer barbecue or dunked in Heinz tomato soup. It's basically the only sort of bread that my nephew likes to eat apparently um don't get me wrong the delicious artisan bread is brilliant and i love it but there is also a charm to that sort of squidgy soft cheap bread texture um i think nigella lawson calls it plastic bread i might be wrong there um i don't know there's some particular sort of chemical or preservative or something i don't know how they how they make how they make it happen um I've tried all sorts of different roll recipes um, over the past few months. Haven't achieved that texture yet. One day, perhaps, Google will provide the answer. Um, the holy grail of bread making, perhaps. The knowledge of how to make cheap textured bread, but knowing that with great power comes great responsibility. Anyway, my next challenge, to recreate a McDonald's Big Mac. Beef patties, bread, sauce, the lot. The kitchen is a calling. <laughs> That's it for this week's episode. Thanks very much for listening, as always. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify. Um, Next episode will be out next week, Friday the 19th of June, 2020. Don't forget to check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash thevagabondway. Remember, if you use Spotify, please do follow us on Spotify as well. We're on Patreon at patreon.com slash thevagabondway. Patreon is a great platform that makes it super easy for anyone out there. 
you to support content that you love on a monthly basis. It gives you direct access to the people creating the stuff you love, us, hopefully, uh, and you get to play an integral part in shaping the direction of the things that we make. So, become a vagabonder. That's our name for our supporters on Patreon to help us create music, live performances, books and short stories, this weekly podcast, uh, and some new things that we're cooking up. As a vagabonder, you can get the recordings and books we make for free, receive exclusive Patreon-only merchandise in the post, get regular behind-the-scenes updates from us, unlock access to exclusive live stream performances and Q&As, and lots more. You can help us create something different, something that entertains, and something that inspires others. So, join us on the journey and release The Vagabond Within. Patreon.com slash The Vagabond Way. Thank you once again, brave adventurers, vagabonds and explorers, for joining us on The Vagabond Way. Remember, the world isn't beige, it's authentic, it's rich and it's real. Embrace every last bit of it. Until next time, the journey goes ever on with the long road. Bye for now. Bye.